if you would turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1 this morning. I just have a quick thought for you. I've got about 30 minutes here and I'll be out of the way. But uh, something that uh, if you would listen to this morning and that uh, hopefully I, the Lord will help me to get it across, it will be a help to you in your life, I believe. Um, the Lord gave me this during COVID and uh, it's been a blessing uh, to me throughout the last few years. Second uh, Timothy chapter number one, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verses one through seven for sake of time. I won't read the whole chapter. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I, re I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the time you've given us. God, I pray that you just be with us. Give us a good time this morning. God, I pray that you just help the hearts be receptive of the message. In your name pray. Amen. Fear is something that the government has used in recent years to get us to do things we don't want to do. You all agree with that? because of a fear of something that may or may not be real or may or may not be present, of a threat that they say is there, they've caused people to change what they thought they should do. Can I tell you what fear is? It's false evidence appearing real. Do you know that God has not given us the spirit of fear? That's what, the, that's what it says right there in the Bible. He says, I don't want you to fear man. There's another verse in the Bible that says, fear not man who's able to destroy the body, but fear him who's able to destroy body and soul in hell. We're not supposed to fear man. We're not supposed to fear what they can do to us. Fear is a natural human emotion, but we can conquer it through faith, the power of God, the love of Christ, and the Holy Spirit's comforting of our minds. We can overcome fear. We don't have to be defeated or held bound by it. Everybody does fear, but the Bible says, cast away your fear. You're going to have fear come at you, but you don't have to live in fear. There's a difference of experiencing fear and living in fear. Fear can, can be a real emotion. You, a lot of people can be afraid, but you don't have to live that way. I see people, they're afraid to leave their house still. I'm like, you got to move on with life. We, we go to other countries and people are afraid to go outside because of what's going on there, because of the government oppression and things like that. I said, the government's already defeated you if you won't leave your house. I mean, we, we, we are not supposed to be bound in fear, but can I tell you that a lot of us, we, we have a fear of rejection, we have a fear of God's power on our life, of what God might call us to do if we really surrender. A lot of us have a lot of fears that, that we won't admit, right? A lot of us, you know, maybe a fear of heights, fear of spiders, fear of snakes. Uh, maybe, you know, you fill in the blank. You know, I'm, I, I have a fear of, of, uh, of, of uh, a lot of things that I, that I don't enjoy, you know. I, I see a snake, and there's only one kind of snake that's good in my book, and that's a dead snake. And uh, I said, I'm only afraid of five kinds of snakes. Big snakes, small snakes, real snakes, fake snakes, and dead snakes. Any other snake? I'm, you know, I, I don't like them. 
Uh, the other day, I, I, was, I was moving some wood at my parents' house, and I, I saw what I thought was a snake, and my mom reached down and picked it up, and I thought she was crazy, and she's like, it's just a salamander. I said, looked like a snake to me. I said, I was about to kill it. She's like, isn't it cute? I said, no, it moves like a snake. Shoot it. <laughs> it's dead. I said, I don't like snakes. I don't like those. That's a, that's a fear of mine. But you know what? I can overcome it. Why? Because we have dominion over them. We don't have to be in fear of nature. Now, some things can be scary. You know, you're in the dark and you bump your toe. You hear a noise. You don't know what it is. But what? God says, you can be comforted. Why? Because we know that he's in charge of everything. The, the, God's not out to destroy us. God's not out for us to live in fear. But I'll give you a few thoughts this morning of how we can overcome our fear. First of all, with the power of God. Amen. He says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, the power of God. Verse number 12, it says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Can I tell you, there's power in the gospel. Can I tell you that Jesus came to this world to die for what? For you. For you. People say, oh, Jesus died for the world. No, no, it's much more than that. Jesus came to die for you. Amen. I, I'm not impressed by a God that will die for the world. I'm impressed that a God that will die for me individually and cares about me individually. Amen. I believe that Jesus would have came and died just for me and just for you individually. You're that important to him. Your soul is worth more than anything else in the world. Can I tell you, he has the power to save us. He saved us from hell and destruction. He saved us from our sins. And God is so good that he gave us a home in heaven. He didn't have to do that. Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, we don't have time to read there, but if you take a note and write that down, it explains more about God's power to save us. Can I tell you that there is nothing that God cannot save you from? You say, Brother Tim, you don't understand what I've done. No, but I know Paul the, the apostle right, who used to be Saul of Tarsus, and the Bible calls him the chiefest of sinners, and I believe God did that intentionally to say that there's nothing that you could do that's so bad that you're worse than him. He persecuted and killed Christians for a living before he got saved, and yet God used him to write over half the New Testament. But you don't think that God is big enough to, to save you or to work in your life? He is. Can I tell you, not only does he have the power to save us, which is amazing to me, but he also has the power to keep us. Because what good would salvation be if you could lose it? I don't understand all these religions out there that tell people that they just got to keep persevering to the end and you'll keep your salvation. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. We're once saved, always saved. Y'all believe that? Do you believe that God died one time? So you only have to get saved one time. You don't have to get saved every time you mess up. Man, I'd have to get saved every day. We can't lose our salvation. And God also keeps us from falling. Do you know that, that a, the Bible says a just man falleth seven times and get rises up again? Amen. You know what that basically is telling me? You're going to fall, but you're not going to fall so far that God can't pick you up. Amen. We mess up, but God says that he can restore us. And I believe that a lot of Christians have, are failing in our responsibility of restoring those that have fallen. There's, there's a ministry of, of reconciliation. The Bible says, Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, lest thou also be tempted. When a brethren be overtaken in a fall. But what do we do? Oh, they messed up. Throw stones, cast every other bit of dirt, and bury them in it. That's wrong. 
I said, God says you see somebody fall, you help restore them. We, don't, we shouldn't walk around and gossip and do bad about them. That's a whole other message in and of itself, and I've got to get back on topic. But 1 Peter chapter number 3, or 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. If you're kept by the power of God, there's nothing that's going to get you away from him. If you are indeed saved, nobody's going to get you. He keeps you. Thirdly, underneath the power of God, he has the power to preserve us. How many of you all like things that are preserved, right? Y'all like, this is a time of year for bacon, right? And y'all got them preserves and y'all do them pies with the, with the canned fruit. Y'all like that stuff? That's some good stuff. I just had one the other day. We had a triple berry pie from the farmer's market. Tell you what, that was good. Took some self-control to not go back and get two or three more pieces. Uh, but that was a blessing, you know. Why? Because it's something that was preserved and is so much better when it's preserved. Can I tell you that the preservation that we have on earth is only a symbol of how God preserves us. He preserves us so much better than we can ever preserve anything else. Can I tell you that in our preservation, it makes things a whole lot sweeter. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. You know, the angels beckon me, the, the song says, from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Why? Because there's something preserved for me up in heaven that's ready for me that's so much sweeter than what's down here. No power of Satan, hell, or this world can separate us from God's powerful and eternal hold on us, and we're his children forever. Why? Because God does not cast us out if we mess up. He just doesn't. He says, you're my child. He's adopted us. And a child that's adopted can never be removed from the family. Amen. They can't. Look it up. You want to go out and you, you, you birth a child, you can disown them. But if you adopt a child, the government says that you cannot disown them and they have to stay in your will forever. You sign that paperwork. My brother adopted a child and that child has to stay in his will forever no matter what that child does. I said, if that's not a picture of God but we're not a Christian nation, they say. I'm trying to take that out of our history. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Can I tell you that we're going to be preserved forever? I can't explain that. I have a finite mind. When I start thinking about forever and eternity, it makes me sick to my stomach. I want to throw up because I can't understand it. Anybody understand eternity? If you raise your hand, you're probably not telling the truth. We can't understand it. The Bible says you can't understand it. It says it's a mystery. It's forever, but we can't, we can't realize never dying, time without end, time that's not measured. You try to think about that, and it'll make your head explode, make you go crazy. We can't understand it, but guess what? God says it. It's true. It's in the book. Can I tell you, there's a lot about it in the Bible. You can trust the word of God. You know what? Man will fail you, but God's word will never fail. Can I tell you, secondly, the love of Christ. He says, it's given you the power and of love, the love of Christ. Can I tell you this morning, 
The Bible says, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, Jesus was the embodiment of love. You say, how do you, how do you, how do you get that, Brother Tim? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave Jesus Christ. Christ was the embodiment of God's love. Christ was love in human form. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible, which teaches us about the love of God. Jesus was the embodiment of the word of God. Can I tell you, he loves you as your creating Lord. You say, Brother Tim, God created the earth. Yes, that's true, but let me show you. Also, Jesus was there. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. You say, so Jesus created the world? God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit were all there, and they all created the world. Why? Because they are one. There's no part that's more important than any other part. All three are equal parts of God, but they're all one God. I can't explain that either, other than how I just explained it. How they can be three distinct beings, but still be equal parts in God. It's the Trinity. I can't really wrap my mind around that either. How he can be everywhere at the same time. I don't know. Have you ever thought about how big God is? The Bible says he holds the world in his hand. That's a big God. It says he measures the universe with the span of his hand. But he cares about you. That's a love of a creating Lord. Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're his workmanship. God created you, specific. Do you know that there are no two human beings exactly alike? Out of the billions of them that have been created throughout the years and the eight point something billion that's alive on earth today, no two people have the same exact fingerprint. That's amazing. That couldn't happen by accident. It had to have been a divine creator. I said, all these scientists that believe in evolution... I said, they got to open their eyes and look around. None of this happens by accident. God intentionally created it. Why? Because he's the creating Lord. He's also, he also loves you as a crucified Lord. Do you know that no other God died for his people? There's a lot of small g gods out there, but none of them ever died for their people. They just want to be worshipped. God said, I love you so much, I'll die for you. Galatians 2.20, it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Can I tell you, he loved us so much, he gave himself. Can I tell you that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. God loved you so much he gave. You tell people that you love them, but what do you give them? To me, words are empty unless actions are behind it. You know, they had a book that came out, The Five Love Languages, and I read it, I didn't really understand it. And uh, 
I said, but I know my love language is giving. And that's the way I give to my wife. I'm always giving her things. Why? Because that's the way I communicate. I believe if you love somebody, you're going to give to them. And that example came to me by God. God loved me. What did he do? He gave me Jesus. He gave me eternal life. He gave me the word of God. He gave me a good family. He gave me a country to grow up in that is a godly nation, or at least was. We've turned our back on God. I was pulling in here the other day, or just, just today, and saw the Islamic Center right there. They ain't worshiping God. But I see them popping up all over our country. The fastest growing religion in the world is Islam. You know what they teach? Kill all Christians. That don't seem loving. That don't seem like a, like a God that I want to serve. But we also have God, our Christ, Christ, Lord Jesus Christ. He came as a coming Lord. He said, I leave you not comfortless. He says, and I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. He says, I'm going to come and get you back. Why? Because we're his bride. I don't know about any of you, but do you ever leave your bride behind anywhere? You're going to go back and get her, right? Any married people, you understand that? Right? You leave her at the mall for a couple hours maybe, but you better go back and get her. You know, you can't leave her there overnight. God says, Jesus said, I'm, I'm just going to be gone for a few days. Because a day, a thousand years is a single day to him. He's only been gone 2,000 years. It's only been a couple days. I believe we're in the last day of that thousand years. I believe any time now he can come. Just because that's the way it worked back in, in, the, in the time, and that's the symbol that he used, is a man, when he was a spouse to his bride, would go prepare a place and then go and get his bride and bring him to the prepared place. So as a symbol of that to the people, he says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and if I prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Christ is preparing a home for you in heaven, and he's going to come when it's ready. Amen. And I believe, based on what's going on in Israel over there, our time is very short because prophecy is being fulfilled and there ain't much holding God back and I believe that the trumpet could sound any time and uh, we ought to be ready. Thirdly this morning, and I'll be done here in just a few minutes, it says, a sound mind. We have the power of God, the love of Christ, and the sound mind of the Holy Spirit. We see the Trinity in this verse in 2, John, or 2 Timothy 1.7. is the Trinity there. The sound mind that comes from the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is able to keep our hearts and minds. He's the one that keeps us and preserves us. He's the one that keeps our mind from all the attacks of Satan. Satan's number one target of attack in your life is your mind. Excuse me. 2 Timothy 1.14, it says, That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Do you know that the Holy Ghost dwells inside of you if you're a believer? And I can't understand that either. I, I, I've been in church for 30 plus years, and I don't understand how the Holy Spirit would come live inside of me. I said, I know me. And if I was a holy God, I wouldn't want to live inside of me. But he loves us so much, he comes and lives inside of us. You know why? Because he says, it's time to clean house. He comes through and he puts out the false fears and he puts out the false thoughts and he starts cleaning up your life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit ain't going to live in a dirty house. And he'll start cleaning your life up if you let him. 
But can I tell you, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, and he won't force himself upon you, but he'll patiently and quietly ask you. Just as Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. He says, I don't kick down the door like a police officer. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I'll come in and sup with him. Jesus doesn't force himself upon you. He asks to come in. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He says, I'm not going to force myself upon you. He came in and abides with you at salvation. You have the Holy Spirit. I, I, I said, I think we're going to have a lot to answer for when we get to heaven and uh, the saints of old in the Bible that didn't have the Holy Spirit's presence until after Jesus came and sent the Comforter back. I said, uh, they did a lot without having the Holy Spirit living inside of them, and I think we're going to have a lot to answer for that we didn't do quite as much as we should have because we have the Holy Spirit's presence and power living inside of us. Amen. But we don't tap into it. Ephesians 6, 17, it says, Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Can I tell you, the Spirit is our weapon. He'll fight for us. He's fighting all around us. We don't see it. If God pulled the, the curtains back and we could see the spiritual warfare that's going on around us, it would scare most of us to death. But God has blinded our eyes so we don't see those things that are going on. I tell you, there's some, there's some crazy things going on in our world today. There's, there's powers at work that we can't see, but I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit keeps our minds at peace. It says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know why we live in an offended generation today? Because they don't love the Word of God. You know why we don't have any peace in the world? Because we've taken the Word of God out of everywhere. Keep your mind on God. Keep your mind on the Word of God, and you'll have peace, and you'll have comfort. Secondly, he gives you a sound mind during sorrow. God says we should not sorrow as others which have no hope. You know, when somebody dies that's a Christian that believed on Jesus Christ for salvation, they go to heaven. Now it's sad, but they're not with us, but we have a hope that we'll see them again. So we don't have to sorrow as others without any hope. Now, if somebody dies and we know that they're not saved and they went to hell, there's something to weep about there. But we shouldn't continue to weep for that person because we can't do anything to bring them back. But it ought to give us a fervor to go and tell others about Jesus Christ so that they don't have that same faith. Amen. Can I tell you when the rich man died, the Bible says, the rich man died and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torment and saw Lazarus afar off in Abraham's bosom and said, have mercy on me and give me a drop of water and put it on my tongue because I am tormented in this flame. And he said, I can't come to you and you can't come to me. There's a great gulf fixed. And the rich man said, pray that Lazarus go back and bring the gospel to my family because I have five brethren so that they don't end up in this same place. And he said, they have Moses and the prophets talking about the word of God. And he said, nay, but if one come from the dead, they'll believe them, which was false because when Jesus rose from the dead, his brothers did not believe on Jesus. But can I tell you that rich man is still in hell? And that rich man is still praying for somebody to go to his brethren? to the children of Israel? When's the last time you had a missionary come through that's going to Israel? Why is Israel in the state it's in? We need more missionaries there. They need the gospel too. Can I tell you that rich man was from the Middle East? How many missionaries go to the Middle East? When's the last time you saw a missionary to Afghanistan? 
Iraq, Iran, Uzbekistan, Pakistan. Anybody seen a missionary to any of those? I haven't. I just met a missionary just recently. He's going to Macedonia. First missionary I ever met, they went to Macedonia. I asked him, I said, man, you're the first guy I ever met that's going to Macedonia. He says, I'm the only missionary I've ever known since Paul the Apostle that's going to Macedonia. He said, there is no gospel witness there. Why? It's not because God didn't call people. It's because people didn't go. Because of fear. God will keep you safe. And I tell you, thirdly, you can have a sound mind in your separation. He says, come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. He says, I'm calling you out to be what? A peculiar people. Well, Brother Tim, I don't want to be strange. Well, guess what? The Bible says if you're saved, you're strange. So it's okay. It's all right to be a little weird. I tell my son, I said, we go to church. You know, you tell people not to talk to strangers. I said, it's okay. You can talk to people at, at church. They're not strangers. They're just strange. All right? That's what the Bible says. They're peculiar, right? But we want to blend in with the world today. The Holy Spirit is telling us, come out, be separate, be unique, be different, stand out, dress different, talk different, act different, work different, do things different. Your boss should recognize that you're a Christian by the way you act. You should show up early to work, not drag in 15 minutes late looking like you're half dead. You ought to be the hardest worker on your job site. You ought to pay your taxes. Amen. Right? The Bible says, give to God which is God's. You say, oh, Brother Tim, I give my tithe, give an offer, give to missions. Yeah, but he also says, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Amen. Jesus said, pay your taxes. You've got too many Christians evading taxes. Can I tell you, you ought to be a witness in every area of your life. Why? Because people will recognize your separation. Can I tell you, people are drawn to something that's different. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. We're not trying to separate to make ourselves look holier than thou. I got family members that tell me, oh, brother, oh, Tim, you just think that you're better than all of us because you're a missionary and you do this and you serve God and you go to church three times a week and you go so and you do that and blah, blah, blah. I said, no, I said, I don't think I'm any better than you. I said, but my purpose is not to bring attention to Tim. I said, my purpose is to bring attention to Jesus Christ. I said, and if you feel convicted about the way that you're living, it's not because of me. It's because I'm elevating Christ and Christ is convicting you that you're not doing what you should be as a Christian, not separating yourself. Preach, right? When people get offended at you, it's not, it's not new. They were offended at Christ. And Christ said, the world hated me, it'll hate you also. Amen. Don't be surprised by it. But can I tell you, we don't have to fear. My mom always used to tell me, don't sweat the small stuff. And guess what I've learned in my life? It's all small stuff. It's all small. Oh, brother Tim, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Don't worry, God's got it. You stay faithful, you do what you're supposed to do, God will fill in... I, I, I could give you testimonies for hours of how God met needs that we've had. We haven't had a job, I haven't had a job since May. I walked, away, I walked away from my job, went full-time. Can I tell you, God has blessed more since then than ever before. Why? Because God is what? Faithful. You want to see God's faithfulness? Trust him. Why should we worry when we have God and all of his power, love, and soundness of mind assuring us that he's in control? What is there to fear when we have everything we need to comfort us with our great God? We must decide to not let fear rule our lives and not allow men to control us through fear. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now let's act like it. Why do we live a defeated Christian life? 
when the Bible says we should be living a victorious Christian life. We've already won the war. We've already defeated Satan. We know the end of the book. We know that we've won, but we go through life letting him tear us down and beat us down through fear. God says, that spirit's not from me. He says, I've given you power and love and a sound mind, not fear. God says, fear nothing except for God. You fear God. Why? Because God can destroy both body and soul in hell. God's the only one that can send you to hell. And the only reason you go to hell is for not believing on Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 3, 16, I quoted earlier, have eternal life, right? It says, but whosoever believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the Son of God. That's why you go to hell. <laughs> I think we overcomplicate it. And it's real simple. You either trust God or you don't. Do you trust God? And quit living in fear. I'll read you a poem here by Charles Haddon Spurgeon real quick and I'll be done. It says, Ye trembling souls, dismiss your fears. Be mercy all your theme. Mercy which like a river flows in one content, continued stream. Fear not the powers of earth and hell. God will these powers restrain. His mighty arm their rage repel and make their efforts vain. Fear not the want of outward good. He will for his provide. Grant them supplies of daily food and all they need beside. Fear not that he will e'er forsake or leave his work undone. His faithful to his promises and faithful to his son. Fear not the terrors of the grave or death's tremendous sting. He will from endless wrath preserve to endless glory bring. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was one of my favorite preachers. If you never read after him, you should. He has a lot of good poems and quotes. But can I tell you one thing I believe that man learned is, I will not fear what man can do to me, but I fear what God will do if I'm not faithful to him. We have power and love and a sound mind. What are we doing with it?